Hey, this is Burke, and I swear sometimes, so listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, so I normally like to do this at the end of the episode, but this one's going to be a little bit different. If you've been following my social media, you might have found out that I had a death in the family, basically right after I recorded the last episode. And honestly, it's been really hard for me, and I was trying to plan this episode out a little bit while it was all going on, but if you've anybody's experienced a death in the family, it's not only emotionally hard, but there's a lot of chaos that happens with it. And I had debated on skipping recording this episode and you know, saying, hey, you know, I'll be back for next week or even October to start spooky season. But for me, a lot of this kind of stuff is it helps for me to work on something and focus my energies on other things. So originally I was planning on this episode just being a regular lore episode. We might be talking about some folklore and some other things, but I haven't had as much preparation for this as I'd like for that kind of episode. But I'm still going to make this a lore episode, but the way I'm going to go about it is I'm actually going to construct an area for my game and also we'll, we will establish lore with that area and then we might dig into some other lore. It'll make a little bit more sense when we get to it. I'm not going to spoil it at the top. So we're going to establish lore for a place in my game called Dire Den. It's a more technologically advanced area in my world. Think the upper Yukon territories style. Think the Arctic, but with more trees. It's still further enough south where it can support a forest, but it's very close to where the, the Arctic is. Now you heard me say that it's technologically advanced. Where I'm getting with that is, even though my setting's kind of a medieval setting, there are artificers in my game. Now I don't want to go full steampunk with this, but it'd be kind of interesting to see like mechanical horses, you know, carriages, things to that nature. But it also adds to what's going on. So here's where we build some lore about this area. For about 60 or so years, there has been a conflict going on in the forest between two artificers. We'll call one Larry and we'll call the other one Angelo. Now these two have been the top artificers for this area for almost forever. And they've been making automatons that have basically went at each other. Let's just establish that this started as war games, but something happened that it became more personal. And needless to say, it took the games out of war games. Now we can do a lot with this. And honestly, the death of a loved one is probably the easiest avenue. And now let's say the conflict raged for a very long time and it trashed and destroyed large sections of the forest. At one point, a large section was burned to the ground. When we were doing the building a Pantheon episode, I mentioned a forest god. Now that's for good reason. See, the forest god in this area didn't like what was going on. And when the trees were just getting eradicated by these automatons that just were lighting up the forest, it decided it had had enough. And not only had enough about the conflict, it's had enough with mortals themselves. Just, you know what, I'm done. I'm done dealing with you all. See, the problem is it can't fight the automatons the way it wants to. So it improvised. It used its living trees to grab the corpses of the automatons to drag it to the main tree itself. I say corpses, but I just mean bodies. And it infused its life essence into all of them. Not only relying on the strength of the automatons, but infusing them with the fury of nature itself. And once it had finished with Larry and Angelo, it set its sights on Dyerden. So not only have we set up a bunch of lore for the surrounding area, we actually are painting a picture of what's going on here as well. This actually works really good for a scenario for your game. 
events like this paint a picture for both lore and conflict, which is basically tabletop role-playing games in general. It adds a level of mystery of why the automatons are attacking the town. And the more your party gets involved, the more they realize there's a mystery about all of this too. Then comes the morality, should you even get involved? Because for all intents and purposes, the Force Spirit isn't wrong for doing this. It's only reacting to the situation. See, role-playing games work really well at the local level. And given that this is a local conflict, the rest of the continent up there is less likely to know about it. Remember, I said that this area is in like a very isolated part of the world and not to mention it's a feudalistic game. So there's not like there's mass communication. Now let's break down why is this force god or spirit even up there? Now this gets kind of topical because this week the new... 5th edition D&D book comes out. And no, I didn't plan this. As of this recording, The Wild Beyond the Witch Lights comes out tomorrow. This is the first real supplement that's really dived into the Feywilds that we've had since 4th edition. Now, obviously, I don't have it in my hands, but I know a little bit about the Feywilds. And your Feywilds and my Feywilds and even this book's Feywilds are going to be completely different. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my heritage. I'm a little bit more than half Scottish and the rest go into German, French, and other Scandinavian countries. And I grew up listening to Scottish folklore, especially when dealing with fairies or the Fae. Because of my upbringing, I take a lot of inspiration from Scottish folklore, as well as Germanic and Scandinavian folklore. I also take inspiration from Shakespeare, you know, Midsummer's Night's Dream, as well as popular culture. Now, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army may not have been the most popular movie, but it has one of the best interpretations of like a goblin market, which is probably one of the best interpretations of the Fae that we have in modern culture. Pan's Labyrinth is also a really good film that really does take a lot of inspiration from the Fae. And lastly, I can't forget Labyrinth because Labyrinth is probably one of the best interpretations of the Fae out there. And honestly, it mirrors the Unseely Court perfectly. We'll get back to them in a second. So with all this talk, what is the Feywilds? Most settings in tabletop role-playing games are set in the material plane. Now, the Feywilds is the material plane just dialed up to 11. But unlike other planes, it's really easy to accidentally stumble into the Feywilds or for it to pour out into other realms. And in my game, we're seeing a bit of that right there. This is a spot where the veil is extra thin, allowing this entity to become a forest god of this realm. It doesn't necessarily belong here, but it lives here now. All right, back to the Feywilds. So the Feywilds is run by two courts, the Seelie and Unseelie court. Now the lore with these kind of shift and change as, a, as additions come out, but they're run by the Winter and Summer Queen. Now I think they've gone and changed some of this where the Summer Queen is known as the Queen of Light now, and I believe the Winter Queen is the Queen of Error and Darkness. But for this, I am going to just call them the Winter and Summer Queen. Now you might be going, well that just means one's good and one's evil, right? And the answer to that is no. Don't get me wrong, there is good and evil in the Fae, but to consider the Fae good or evil is actually the wrong way to do it. Here's a good example. Can you consider nature good or evil? And the answer is no, you can't, because nature just is. Now, because the Feywilds is divided over the two halves, you actually deal with the Seelie and Unseelie court, depending on like what your region is. Due to the location of where this area is, this area is going to lean more towards the Unseelie Court than the Seelie Court. 
because of all the ice and all the isolation and other things to it. Now, I said at the beginning of all this talk about the Feywilds that it is just the prime material plane dialed up to 11. So what does this area look like differently once you go into the Feywilds of this area? Well, the parts of the forest that have been burned down are going to still be there, but the trees are going to be much taller. I think the redwood forest you see out in California. See, when I like to build my games, when you actually deal with the Feywilds, the entrance points to a lot of these worlds are through great big trees. And if one of my players is snooping in this episode, which I should have put a spoiler warning for them, but I forgot to. But um, if any one of them is listening, they might hear some similarities because my Feywilds is the same throughout all of my games. I even run an organization out of the Feywilds that's called the Wardens. The Warden's job is to make sure that the Prime Material Plane isn't infected by the Feywilds too much. See, when I put the Feywilds in my games, I like to make the Veil very thin in some spots. So it's really easy to get into the Feywilds, but if you lose your way, it's really hard to get back home. Now, here's where it gets a little weird. So time flows very differently in the Feywilds. So after you spend a day in there, it gets a little scary. See, time moves very fast when you're in the Feywilds. So if your players spend like a week in the Feywilds, they could come out a thousand years later. What's interesting is Wizards of the Coast, when designing their Feywilds, took a lot of inspiration from folklore. And you see this with Irish folklore, especially dealing with fairies. And what's funny is they're both mischievous as well as good, but there's also some similarities to UFO abductions with fairy tales, which is very interesting because there's plenty of stories that talk about people who have been whisked away to the where the fairies live and then being brought back. And there's usually a lot of lost time dealing with a lot of these events. So one story I heard from back in the day, and this isn't too long ago. This is talking like 1800s, and this is Scottish folklore. Now, there used to be a problem where people would find cattle just out dead in on their ranches, and they would blame it to a thing called elf shot. So you might be asking, what the hell is elf shot? And it's talk of like elves coming out and shooting a person's cattle because they have done harm to like the fey folk that live out in the area. And like some of the remedies were crazy for some of this. Like there was these things where they would feed the cattle like lead or even like gunpowder to try to shoot the arrow while sealing up the, the wound. Sorry, it wasn't lead. It was actually stone. But if the cattle died, because you're feeding gunpowder and rocks, it was because God intended the animal to die. Just a strange thing to explain why random cattle deaths are happening or why random cattle are laying on the ground and are sick. Just very strange, huh? In the grand scheme of things, this wasn't that long ago. All right, let's talk about a different fey folklore we have in our world. Let's talk about changelings. Now, there used to be this folklore that said, like, the fairies would come in at night and steal people's children and then replace them with a changeling. Apparently, how you got your child back was to make the changeling laugh or by torturing it. Pretty fucked up, if you think about it. It actually explains a lot about child abuse at the time because people were superstitious and you never knew what was going to happen with some of this stuff. Apparently, a lot of this came from this thought that infants are susceptible to being demonically possessed, apparently. And apparently at the time, it was widely believed that fairies expressly preyed upon unbaptized children. Well, that was a fun bit of folklore to talk about.
it got kind of dark at the end, but often when you dig into folklore, it's not always the happiest thing. They often try to teach lessons in their crazy way, but you can actually take a lot from the time when you're reading some of this. And it shows where a lot of things change, but a lot of this stays the same, no matter what time period we're in. All right, let's get to talking about what we're going to be doing next episode, because we're entering spooky season. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that out of my system. So if you're new or haven't been following, we've had a lot of talk about spooky season, and it's us talking about scary monsters putting your game for the month of October. And I'm going to try to put an episode out every week for the month of October because it's just talking about a monster. So it's actually not that hard to just build the episode around the monster we're going to talk about. Now, I might dig into monster manual stats or or how it's interpreted in folklore, but it'll be a fun month to talk about just spooky, scary stuff. Now, I'm going to make the call to see if any if anybody has any ghost stories that they want to share. I actually have a ghost story I can share because I have a ghost that lives in my house. But um, if you have a ghost story and you want me to read off what it is or you want to record something to send it in, as long as it's clean, you can go ahead and contact me on my Twitter and we can work this out. And I'm also going to ask a few people to share some stuff. All in all, it should be a really fun month to play around with some other things. So next month, we're going to be talking about doppelgangers. Now, I had a whole skit planned out for this and... With everything going on and stuff, it just seemed a little too much. So I decided to move away from doing the skit. So we're going to be talking about doppelgangers next episode and how you can run them in your game. Because what's more scary to your players than somebody with their face doing whatever the hell they want? Well, if you enjoyed the episode, let me know on Twitter at DM Burkhart. You can also find me on my personal Twitter at Burkhart Gaming. Um, if you have a ghost story you want to share, please DM me at DM Burkhart. As of right now, I'm taking a hiatus from Twitch. I'm just not really feeling all the stuff going on and with everything my personal life. I just don't really feel like doing it. So in the future, we might be going back to Twitch or I'm just going to start posting stuff on YouTube. Lastly, if you enjoy the show and want to support it, telling a friend that you think would like the show or anything like that helps us actually greatly here. And I appreciate everybody who's been shouting out the show lately, and you guys are all awesome. I received a message the other day about somebody asking if I'm doing a Patreon or anything. And as of this moment, no, I don't think I'm going to be doing that. Now, the thought of the show actually paying for itself has come to mind, but I'm not quite ready to start thinking about what I want to do with that. Not to mention when um, I don't think I can actually produce enough extra bonus content to justify a Patreon. Not to mention my episodes aren't particularly long. So I definitely would need to increase the length of my episodes to even justify an ad. Anyways, sorry about all that and scuffing the outro. I just like to keep everything transparent as much as possible. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will catch you in spooky season. Anyways. Take it easy. I'll see you later.